0: welcome to the speak up talk radio network i am your hostess pat Rulo, and today i am so happy to share a recent firebird book award winning author with you she is jules and her award-winning book is titled the making of a woman jules says i'm a woman who has lived two lives in one lifetime the first part was a life of childhood abuse and trauma which grew into the full-blown disease of alcoholism my life was out of control and i was circling the drain The second part is life today and how I urgently worked through my past and now have a wonderful life as a result. But there is more to the story, and I am looking forward to finding out more. So welcome to the network, Jules. Thank you, Pat. I'm so glad we can do this. Thank you. You are welcome. I'm thrilled about it as well. And congratulations on the book win. Oh, my gosh. And that was
1: Amazing! That was shocking. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" That was an honor.
0: <laughs> well, I am glad. It's a lot of hard work and a little scary to put your put yourself out there. But uh, often, when you do, good things come back.
1: You know that it's so true. It is. It's a little scary. Um, things have come up that I didn't expect. Um, but yeah, I think the good outweighs any of those bumps.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, your book is a memoir, so. Before we dig into the book, maybe just tell us a little bit about your background as it will help us then to understand your book.
1: Sure. So just a little snapshot, I was born and raised in the Midwest um, in the early 70s. So, um, you know, it's back when, uh, you know, being married was pretty much the only way of survival for most women. And so when the first relationship ended um My mom married into the next relationship, and unfortunately, it was very toxic. And also, um something that's very prevalent at the time in the Midwest was consumption of alcohol. I, I, it was just something everybody did. And so, um, you know, during that second marriage, I became one of five kids, and I got lost. I was um, a very small, frail girl um which kind of represented everything that was going on in my world. I lost my voice. I lost my identity. I even lost my mom because now she's not just my mom. You know, there's just so many changes. And then the abuse that took place, um, it just taught me to stuff things down, down, you know. And so when I left school at ninth grade, those were – that was the life skills I had. And I quickly got into drinking. Um, to, to help keep those things down. And so, for about nineteen years, I, I drank and drugged and tried to exist in a world with childhood life skills until I found recovery. And that was at the age of thirty five. And at that point, Everything changed. Mm-hmm. They say people, places, and things, and they were not kidding. <laughs> and as a result, I was able to, you know, take down some of the armor that I had acquired over the years for survival and actually go inward and find out things about myself that I really never, never learned mm-hmm. or took the time to, uh, to look inward. And, and now as a result, I'm, I'm in my 14th year of recovery, I've experienced things that I didn't even know were on the wish list. I mean, it has been it has been two two parts, two parts of this journey. There's mm-hmm. there's two different stories and it's absolutely miraculous to be on this side of all of that.
0: And perhaps the second half might not have been as miraculous and wondrous perhaps if you hadn't gone through the first half which i mean i'm not advising people have you know a rough first half of life but because you did it's a beautiful thing that um, you're able to see this side and be a part of this side
1: you know absolutely what i think about is like when we are learning how to ride a bicycle we we just we just we want it but man we fall and we our knees are scuffed up and we get back up and we're like you know we fall again and we're like screw it. I'm never doing it again. Take I don't want that bike. But we get back up. And, and when we do start to get momentum and we start to ride and our parents let go and, well, I wouldn't have all that joy if I didn't have that pain beforehand, mm-hmm. yep. emotionally and physically. So I think you're spot on. I think it's, it's all part of the big picture.
0: Well, I'm so happy that you were, you know, so many people Experience this kind of childhood and, and many of them never come out of it. So I'm happy that you did. And I'm sure a, a lot of it has to do with who you are and your fortitude. And maybe we'll get into that in, in a moment. When and how and why did you come to the conclusion that you needed to put this into a book form? Because this could have been a situation where you just said, uh, that's personal, it's private, nobody's going to find out. The reason I, I felt so compelled and it's
1: been over a course of many years. It wasn't like just this bright idea I came up with. It was something that was within me all along. And I, and I knew that I had to share what I had. And, you know, during, you know, getting sober, that's one of the ways we get sober is we realize we're not alone. And through other people's stories, we recognize ourselves. And so this book is almost an amplification of what I've learned while getting sober and the book truly it, the primary purpose of this book was to reach the girl in the back of the room who thinks that she is the only one i've been in those shoes more times i think than than i wish to count and in in that loneliness and and really all i would have needed is for somebody who had already been there to say girl i know what this feels like and i know i know a way out mm-hmm. And so and so that's what makes me so compelled, you know, to keep doing this. I want to connect with people. I want I want people to realize that you you were not in this alone, even though you feel like it, you don't have to do it that way.
0: That's so special that you are you know, you have that within you. To be able to do this and then to continue to do it. I could just tell, just speaking to me on the phone today, you have an ability, I think, to connect to people, or at least I feel that way.
1: Yeah, I do. And and, and before, I have to be honest with you, when I connected with people before, it was not glamorous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and, and now it's, it's this appreciation that I can meet pretty much anybody where they're at. Mm-hmm. And it's all through that, that language of the heart. Right. Right, I think that's where it's at. All these circumstances and outside factors, they're always forever changing. But what's a constant is I know what it feels like to feel scared, right. and you know what it feels like to feel scared. And you know what it feels like to feel love and joy and and I do as well. And so I think those universal feelings, that's how, you know, that openness, that ability to connect is if I continue to speak through that particular space.
0: Mm-hmm. So give us a peek into the book just for folks listening. When they pick up a copy of your book, what can they expect?
1: Well, I hope that, A, it infuriates them. (laughs) And I also hope that it inspires them. And I really want it to empower. Like, those seem to be like the three factors of this book. You know, in the beginning, Marlene and I, as we put this book together, we started at, you know, ground zero. And we we started of, you know, when she was born and and stepped all the way through. And it's not necessarily a chronological uh, book of order. It's more of the various events and stages that I went through, you know, from being a small child within that large family that I spoke of, um, being out in the real world, um, you know, as as a a child, ultimately in the adult world. and, And how did that feel and the lack of guidance I had and direction? Um, And then all the way through that moment when, you know, the two people in the car, you know, their little ears went up like antennas when I just lightly mentioned, I wish I didn't drink so much. Mm -hmm. And that pivotal point of when those two women took me into the rooms of recovery. And from that point on, everything has a different perception for me. Mm -hmm. And so along the journey, you will feel the emotion And I think, again, that's what I want to connect to. I don't want you to connect to the materialistic things or any of the outside factors. It's it's the emotion that that you're going to connect to as you read this book. And then you get to the end, and then you actually get to meet my husband. And it's just like this, I, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. <laughs> so it's definitely going to be a book of, of <laughs> emotional reactions.
0: It truly, truly <laughs> is, and that's the beauty of it. You definitely will feel when you read this book. You mentioned Marlena, so did you do an oral conversation with her, and then she wrote this? How, how did the collaboration work?
1: Well, we were still in really, you know, restricted times of COVID. And so, and she lives in another city than I do. And so what we did in the beginning of this year is we just scheduled out our one hour meeting every week on Tuesday via Zoom. And I would pick up where I left off in the story. And so week by week over the, over the months, we were able to put this together.
0: That's kind of a neat process. That was a really
1: unique process because, mm-hmm. you know, let's be fair, is that i, I told my story, I've shared this. Mm-hmm. There was something magnificent, though, to have the words come out of my mouth and, of course, have them very well received by another woman mm-hmm. who has, you know, similar experiences, but then to come back and read it was a whole new layer that I had never experienced. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like another layer of healing by being witnessed Mm -hmm. and I didn't expect that
0: yeah I can imagine you wouldn't have even known what to expect Um, it's Mm -mm. yeah and I do think it was quite a cathartic healing process for you to go through that
1: you know some of the well some of those weeks were pretty bumpy yeah
0: I bet (laughs) and and, you
1: know I've I've done a lot of work and I'm grateful that I don't carry around a lot of the rage or the feelings anymore but even to just walk down that path again, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 it resonates within the body, right? And and I would notice like, you know, three or four days or whatever, I'd be like, God, I just, I feel off, mm-hmm. you know? And, and Marlene is like, let me remind you, you know, we're going through some darker stages, right. you know, and even though you're not feeling them with that intensity anymore, you know, the body remembers.
0: Absolutely. So Absolutely.
1: It, yeah, it was definitely a unique experience.
0: So when the book was in your hand, that first time that you got it back from the publisher and you held this book in your hand, I'm assuming you probably read it cover to cover. Did you feel like you were reading about yourself or did you feel like you were reading someone else's story? How did that feel for you when you got that book back for the very first time?
1: You know, I, I recognized, you know, the various characters. But I think the way Marlena was really able to emphasize and describe the emotion was more than I was capable of expressing it. So that's the beauty of, of her talent in bringing us together is that she was able to really emphasize on parts that I just didn't have the words for. Right. And so to read this, I, too, had like these emotions and it's like, oh, my gosh. This woman is resilient. Like listen to this. <laughs> so it was it was almost like another woman I was reading about, but it seemed very sense um, uh familiar to me.
0: <laughs> That's what I was imagining that when you first read it it was almost kind of surreal thinking, no, I have great admiration for this person <laughs> but I don't know who it is and then yet you do. It was probably just a mixed bag of feelings and emotions quite Quite profound. And speaking of profound, you have a statement on your website that just touched me. You say refusing to accept that there was not a place for her in the world, Jules created a place of her own. And wow, that quite poignant.
1: You know, so much of my life has been unlearning. One of the mag- one of the many magnificent things. Being able to hit that reset button in midlife was that I had the the uh, the atmosphere we'll say to really look at every nook and cranny in my life and decide if it was working for me or if it wasn't. And that also went along with the stigmas and the dogmas. And you know, you in the first in the first chapter of this book, I start I list out these words that were thrown at me and. They pierce you as you say them out loud. And, you know, those are all somebody else's words. And to realize how much their ideas or their rules or dogmas impacted me Mm -hmm. was profound. I was a prisoner in my own belief system. And so that is when I got the ability to, we'll say, create. But what it is is I got in line with who I am, like my authenticity, And so then I was able to create this world of loving people, people who understand, you know, all of that. I got to create a world, and and better yet, a place in this world for me. And it's unbelievable. I didn't even know that was an option.
0: (laughs) As you're saying this, I'm thinking that there's many people not in the exact same situations, but, but in situations where they perhaps feel the same, that, that, that they don't belong here. There's no place for them. And it sounds when you and I are speaking that it was a relatively easy process that you just like, Oh, I'm going to create a place of my own. What Mm -hmm. advice, yeah. What advice would you have for someone to say, okay, what are the first steps? Like what should we do if we feel this way so that we can begin to create this life of our own?
1: You know, my experience in this has been, first off, even just recognizing it is very, very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. If I can at least recognize that it is something that is not in line with me. And I say in line by saying, you know, is it, um, does it resonate with me? Or does this really feel good when I'm doing it? Or do I leave here feeling deflated or on a lower vibrational level? Like even just feeling things out, like various things. And, and, and that was the, that's the start of it for me, you know? And then I, I think I, I spend a lot of time in that stillness. Um, meditation has brought me great length of tranquility <laughs> okay. and realizing what's mine and what's not. Okay. But by doing that, what I'm doing is I'm connecting with that self, right? And when I'm in there, it's like the more I, it's like a muscle, right? The more I use it, the stronger it gets. So if I'm looking outward at things that are really, gosh, does that really work for me? You know, working two jobs, trying to, is this this working for me? Mm -hmm. You know, and then going into that stillness and, you know, and and listening, like, what are my other options? Because nine times out of ten, we look at things as either or, Mm -hmm. right? It's either A or it's B. Well, when you think of the world uh, in, in the light of abundance, it's not or, it's and. Pivotal shifts like that can completely change your whole perspective right. of things that are very common to you that you didn't even realize could be seen differently.
0: Thank you. I, I value your input on this, and I'm sure those listening are going to receive some great inspiration from this. You, you talked about um, using it as a muscle. Speaking of muscles, let's talk about bodybuilding because that's kind of a metaphor for your life, um, where you took up bodybuilding, and you know, with that, you've got to keep pushing and working and trying. Let's talk about that and how that came into play into your life and what it's done for you.
1: First off, I have to say there's so many ideas of why that happened, and so far, any of them that I've been presented with, I was like, no, that's not really why I do that. <laughs> You know, um, I got, like I said, I got sober when I was 35 and, you know, you you become physically sober, emotionally, spiritually, it's this process that takes place. And for me, I had always um, had a very, I I learned a a body image issue that, that, um, that just that dislike of, of my thighs actually. And so at the age of 40, I said, you know, I'm, that's it, I'm, I'm going to hire a trainer and, no better place to go than, you know, this bodybuilding gym. And, and I mean, I was green in the face when we took those before and after pictures. It's just, it was unbelievable that I could even have done that. But I think the drive that I had before I got sober Mm -hmm. was not something I ever let go of. Mm -hmm. So you take that intensity and you put it into the present where I'm not trying to just survive and I can catapult like, like lightning speed with that kind of energy. And so I, 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 I desperately wanted this change. And so day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, I've, I've continued to, as I say, go on the days I don't want to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All I wanted to do was get rid of the cellulite on my thighs. <laughs> I hated it. Little did I know, I'm sure you know source above is like girl you're you're much stronger than you realize." Right. and so when I first did that first competition, it was like, "Wow, I took third place Pat. There's only three people on the stage, but I was so proud of my <laughs> third place trophy, <laughs> but I kept you know I kept going i kept I kept pedaling that bicycle, that source was you know steering, and um you know, of course, the right people came in, and i I did one show. Um last year, and then it was brought to the attention that you know there's one more show let's let's try one more show, but in a different division and so I went out there, I learned the poses, had to put these heels on and and uh and i and I knocked it out of the park <laughs> and i I qualified for national <laughs> I was like, keep in mind, right? I just want to get those little bumps off my side yeah. what what is going on? I'm on a stage you know it's like this is it's mind blowing and so then when I went to nationals. And they're they're doing the they're, they're calling out the numbers and stuff and I'm thinking okay they haven't called my name yet I'm either a on the wrong stage or B I'm placing in the top three oh. and I placed third place on a national level oh. of um, uh, it's Canada United States and Mexico oh, Wow that's my thoughts exactly oh. like. <laughs> Wow, did this just really happen? <laughs> and it proves to me that, again, I go on the days I don't want to go. Yeah. The back of my door, um, leading out of my apartment is filled with all of these powerful messages. And so I always have that, always have that filling my mind. And it's the days that I didn't want to go. It's that one day after the next day. That's how I got this many years of sobriety. Mm-hmm. It's just 24 hours at a time. Right. So I have to break it down to little baby pieces, but oh my gosh, this has become much bigger than, again, I didn't even know that was on the wish list.
0: (laughs) (laughs) These things just keep showing up, don't they? They do. (laughs) I love this. Well, are those your legs on the cover of the book? Yes, they are. (laughs) Well, then you have... You have succeeded, my dear, because that's, that's a that's one heck of a cover. So tell us about the cover. You know,
1: when we're 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 at the point where you know the book has been written, it's at the editor. We're working on the cover. You know, we have all these various designs that people have come up with, and and one of them was a lady. It's you know just at a corset. She's wearing a corset, so you just see the corset, and her hands are on her hips. And and I was like, well, kinda. And then I was like, okay. If there is going to be any body on this book, it's going to be my body, right? (laughs) Like, this whole book is about authenticity. So we just we decided that if we, you know, crop this picture at this moment, right, this is perfect. And, yeah, so that's what it's really all about is the, you know, and when you look at the picture, it's like, here I am in these red-bottomed shoes, and there's poise, and there's, you know, the femininity. But you look at that, and there's a lot of strength, Mm -hmm. And there's that individualism, you know. So for me, that picture, it just, for me, that sums my book up of who I am today.
0: It really does. Absolutely. I mean, I (laughs) I knew those were your legs, but um, I'm just so, so impressed that here you were, this woman who did not like your thighs and, you know, worried about cellulite, and now you've got your beautiful legs on the cover of your beautiful book. Yes. See what I mean? Like, who would have ever thought of that? (laughs) (laughs) You're having a wonderful life. I'm so happy for you and for us that we had this opportunity to meet. So what's next? What are you working on now? Any new books? You know, I'm a a human being, and
1: sometimes I forget I'm not a a human doer, (laughs) right? And so one of the things I get to practice at this point is letting the dust settle, Mm -hmm. right? Something I've learned is that I can... I do all of my part, right? And then I don't have any control of the outcome. So I do my part and then I, you know, I let it fall where it falls. And so things I'm seeing that are opening up are the, the, uh, I'm noticing like, cause both men and women are, are coming back and giving me feedback. Um, moms are coming back asking questions. So right now I'm seeing a lot of communication, mm-hmm. a lot of communication with people. Who like just talk with the author. Like let's let's talk about this. So that's where it's where it's at right, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to have conversations with podcasters um pretty much all over the world. That's been exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, we're looking at doing guest speaking and you know, once things continue to open up and really getting out there and and just talking. Let's just talk about this. Right. So that's what I'm seeing. It's on the forefront here. But I, again, could be completely offline and have no idea where we're going.
0: (laughs) You'll probably have a poetry book published, you know, next year, right?
1: (laughs) You know, you're right. Anything is possible. It certainly is.
0: Oh, my gosh. So inspiring you are. Um, And I want to make sure that we're not missing anything that you wanted to talk about, anything specific that you think our listeners should know about you or that you want to share any advice or thoughts
1: you know, one thing that really, really, really resonated with me when I was struggling is it was brought to my attention. Um, somebody had told me, Jules, you're exactly where you're supposed to be, doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And just hearing that opened my heart up. Like my defenses fell a little bit and my heart opened up. And it was almost like my little person inside said, I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm okay. I'm not bad. I'm not fill in the blank. And now, now when I kind of get a glimpse of the full picture, it's spot on. Mm-hmm. So I, I think to to really, like, look at the big picture that everything that I went through or experienced had a purpose, either for me or the people in my world, and so nothing is by mistake. The things that I endured were not by mistake. And by just seeing things in a different light like that has given me great levels of freedom, emotional freedom, but it's also allowed a lot of love. Because I don't have resentment. I, I don't have that hatred towards, say, the people in my in my journey or any of the the events that took place. It frees me of all of that. Mm-hmm. And so to know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing um, is, is definitely a, a, a saying that I keep playing in my head because it's the big picture.
0: Very empowering. Yeah, it really is. Wow. Thank you for this. Thank you for just being so open and being who you are. It's uh, mm. it's very, very refreshing so why don't you share if you would um, any places folks can go to find out more about you how they can contact you get copies of your books whatever you want us to know
1: yeah well the beautiful thing about social media is that it's all over so um, I pretty much you know the mothership is the website and on the website you will find everything I've got this awesome book trailer which is a video which is super cool I've never uh, seen anything like that before so different creations like that, there's the podcast that I've been on, there's various events, we've done giveaways. Um, of course, you can purchase the book through the website. Um, but if you're on Amazon, of course, it's, it's, uh, it's also listed there. Um, and then also on the website, you'll see all of the different social media channels. Um, the website address is www.themakingofawoman.com. And that, that's your go-to. You'll find anything and everything there.
0: Absolutely, Will. It's a great website, themakingofawoman.com. We're speaking with Jules, and the title of her book is The Making of a Woman. This has been so, oh, I don't know, just inspiring today. And, and I think you're going to give a lot of people hope and some practical ideas how they can move in their lives and make their lives better. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart.
1: Pat, thank you. I'm so grateful to be able to have these conversations. Thank you.